0: This is a Hogs Sports Network podcast. You're listening to the Hogs Illustrated Sports Club podcast. Here's your host, Chip Souza of the Hogs Sports Network. This is Chip Souza from the Hogs Illustrated Sports Club luncheon today. Mike Nabors, the women's basketball coach of the University of Arkansas, was our guest speaker today, and he sat down with our Ethan Westerman for a question and answer session.
1: I have these same chairs. These may be my chairs. I think they were.
2: <laughs> That's actually where I want to start with this convo. Okay. In that chair last week was Nolan Richardson. Um, and, uh, so. Um, awesome. <laughs> yeah, you know, talking about the off-season y'all have had, something you're doing is implementing a press. I'm not sure you're quite willing to call what y'all have 40 minutes of hell, but... Um, How's that going, and what influences have you kind of looked to uh, through that process?
1: He was certainly an influence, but I'm never going to put myself in the same seat as Nolan Richardson or Boots, uh, either one. It will not be the version that we all grew up watching and loving and and seeing them play. Um, it's, it, it is working. Um, if you all followed us this summer, our first exhibition game overseas, the score at the end of the first quarter was 43-1. to 1. Uh, I got... Uh, a little uh, bashed over pressing a team that we were beating 43 to 1 but we kind of had to press after we talked about it we did not press after the first quarter I promise you that we pulled it off uh it is looking good uh coach Dunn I'll expect you to come evaluate that let me know how we look comparatively okay good we're open practice again tomorrow too uh media I know will be there because we're having busies for lunch at 12 30 boys um Pasta bar, uh, it's, it's open practice for everybody. We have a local media day, so uh, it's looking okay. Uh, it's by no means a polished product, but it is something I, I always wished for. Um, and when, when we came back seven years ago, um, we only had five kids in our locker room that day at that first meeting. There were only five players left on the roster. You can't press with five people. Uh, We were actually working up a 2-2 zone just in case we got in foul trouble. Um, So depth is the last thing you add when you're trying to build things back. And with COVID, it set us back a little bit with depth. Uh, The roster management is a new thing um, because of COVID and the stacking up of all that. But this is the first time I felt like we could go 10 deep. And I think you have to be at least that deep to be able to be effective in pressing. So I've talked to Coach about it. I, I spent a few minutes talking to him about it, and he gave me some, some words of encouragement to, to stick to it when you might not believe that you should. So we'll, we'll probably look like a work in progress, but our kids love it. They like the uh, up-tempo of it. Um, they like the fact that uh, you might not have to play 40 minutes to be effective. If you were really good at it, hopefully 34 to 35 minutes a game will be the most anybody will be physically able to play.
2: So I was looking at it this morning. You are the lone coach at the university who grew up in the state. Um, I'm just curious, or was at least born in this state. Um, okay. I'm curious, how does that being a native Arkansan kind of influence how you coach or how you view the program?
1: I look at it from two lenses. I am a fan first of the other 18 sports on our campus. Uh, I, uh agonize over everything just like every fan does in every single sport except for my own you know I know that I have to draw that line I look at every sport I cheer for I've said it before probably in this venue I I cried until a very embarrassing age when the Razorback basketball team and football teams and baseball teams lost that I grew up following so it does hit me different I know that um I've said it before, too. I want to be the, only, the first Razorback coach to ever retire from basketball at Arkansas. I'll let that sink in for a second because it has never happened. Um, so I would like to be that person, um, but I know how challenging it is. Uh, I understand how it feels to be the only thing going on in the state. I've moved out of the state. It didn't really hit me till I moved to Cincinnati and coached at Xavier, until I moved to Washington and coached there. I try to explain it to anybody that's never lived here. It's just different. The Razorbacks mean so much to everybody. So I'll tell you, I put a little extra pressure on myself within my sport, and then I think I give a little bit of grace to all the other coaches and know the challenges that they're in their sports with. But I literally cheer for all 18 sports. Uh, we have a little text group. I follow every single sport, um, so I think I can sometimes provide those coaches with a little bit of a different lens, and I try to offer it, uh, and it makes for a fun, and, and then mostly they use me for where to eat when they go recruiting, because they know that I've been to every high school in the state, I've been to every city in the state, I don't need a GPS to go, uh, unless the school's been been formed newly, uh, some consolidations have happened, I, I don't require a GPS, so... There's good and bad with it. I'll tell you. Again, I agonize over every missed free throw for our guys late in the season. I miss for uh, our football team when they can't get a first down. I feel it. Uh, I, when Coach Van Horn, when everybody tries to fire Coach Van Horn for losing a Tuesday night game because he didn't bunt or didn't pitch one of our star pitchers, I just I, I want to be that that voice of reason. But I, sometimes in this. Sitting in this seat, I don't get a chance to do that. But I am a fan first uh, and a coach second, that's for sure.
2: So talking about that journey that you've been on to get back to where you are, the head coach at Arkansas. I know, I mean, you started in Greenwood, um, you grew up in Greenwood. We you take me a little bit along the journey of, um, I guess, how you got to be where you are today? I know Gary Blair was a big influence for you along the way.
1: He was later, you know, as it started, I wanted to be the high school coach at Greenwood growing up. H.B. Stewart was my high school coach. I'd always told him I wanted to come back and take his job. Um, And I went to college at West Stark for two years. I came up here. I've told the story about Coach DeBryan cutting me from baseball, which was the best thing that ever happened to me. I did not have the talent to play at the Razorbacks level, but he helped me get along to my coaching uh, days a little bit earlier. And I was fortunate enough to do my student teaching at Bentonville. Um, and got into with great people surrounded. I think if you track anybody, they've been surrounded by great people along the way. Uh, I was a high school coach at Bentonville for six years. I went to Cabot for one year, and that was when you talk about Gary Blair, who I made a connection to. He was at the University of Arkansas as the head coach at the time. I worked his camps. Uh, I brought uh, people to games. I came to every game that I could. But it was a heart attack at 29. I had a, a heart attack at the age of 29 out of the clear blue, I had a genetic defect in my heart at, at 29 living in Cabot when I said, okay, I want to do this college coaching thing. I don't want, life is obviously very short. It was the best shape of my life I'd ever been in. And the next thing you know, you're, you're having heart surgery. So that was when I started chasing the college dream. I took a, a $58,000 pay cut to go from Cabot to be Coach Blair's uh, Diet Coke and driver. Uh, it was a huge ego blow to go from running your own high school program and winning state championships with tennis. I also coached swimming, and that's for another whole day. Um, But that's when I decided I wanted to chase that dream of being a college coach. I knew it was going to require a lot of moving around the country, uh, chasing jobs on the way up. Coach Blair took great care of me. I got to work. I mean, I think about it every day. I, I talked to Vic on the way over here. I got to sit in an office with Vic Schaefer, who's the head coach at the University of Texas, got to sit in the office with Kelly Bond, who's the head coach at Southern Illinois. I got to sit in there with Amber Shiree, who luckily is still on staff with me after 35 years. Um, I'm so thankful to have her, but I learned from so many great people, and Coach Blair has been a, somebody that was a mentor. He kicked me out after two years. I started that college journey, um, and I wasn't certain I wanted to be a head coach until I went to the University of Washington with another mentor, Kevin McGuff, and he got me ready for it. Uh, we had a lot of success out there, and when this job opened, though, it was the dream job. It was the one I've always wanted to have, and the opportunity matched up. Not everybody gets that opportunity at the time, right time. Some people's opportunity comes too late, and I knew it was the perfect time and the only, maybe the only time for me. Uh, so I look back now. I can't believe it's we're starting seven years, but um, it's still the dream job after all those all those stops and all the things that come along with it. It's. uh, I still wake up every every single day happy to be a hog.
2: So people who pay attention to your team's games, um, they might feel like they're going to the zoo a little bit because you're out there calling people rabbits and dragons, and you you do have positionless basketball. Will you talk a little bit about what those titles are you give your players and what they mean?
1: So Ethan's talking about not calling people point guards or two guards or shooting guards or one two three or maybe typical language, typical terminology. As an assistant coach in the college level for a lot of different schools for 14 years, to me, point guard meant something different to every single coach that I'd ever worked with and for. And so I thought, whenever I get to be a head coach, we're gonna, we're gonna change these names so that I can explain to them what I want out of that position, not what their youth coach, sorry guys, y'all do a great job, I'm not hitting, just, it's, it, it changes. It's all changed, and mine's different than yours. My definition is different. Than, we all have different, different, different definitions. So I approached that team. Uh, that team had some really good players on it. Kelsey Plum is one of them. If y'all follow WNBA, she's two-time uh, world champion now with the Las Vegas Aces. She was a freshman on that team. I had another All-American on that team. That was the team we went to the Final Four in 2016, the Sweet 16 and 17. They actually came up with the names. I just told them I didn't want to use the, the same terminology because I wanted to say to them what we want you to do, what we expect out of you, what we think this position is. So it always gives me a leg up in recruiting when a kid, because they all ask the same question. Coach, where do you see me fitting in your system? That's usually question number two. How do you see me fitting into your system? And I say, well, I, I think you're a perfect dragon. There you go. Now dragons have become way cooler since Game of Thrones came out. But everybody wants to be a dragon because that's where Chelsea Dungey played here and did what she did, and the dragon's kind of a popular spot. But the names are just simply our way of saying what we want that position to be defined as and by uh, and not be tied to necessarily what they've heard in the past or the team that they've played on the past or the announcer they hear on TV describing the, you know, the prototypical this person, the prototypical point guard. We get them to do what, works for us and in our system. So, yeah, it's different. We're not trying to reinvent the game. I've been accused of that. it's not what we do. I want them to know we've thought through it. Uh, We've analyzed it. It's also why I have my top thousand movies ranked in order. We've talked about that many times. I have my top. That's over 3,000 now. The list is about 3,700. But I want you to know when I tell you I think A Few Good Men is my favorite movie, I've got it backed up with data. Um, just like I did and, and Mama Mia will always be dead last amazing play on Broadway not didn't make the trans transition uh, to TV very well at all I got an amen in the back unbelievable play I'll pay good money to see it anytime it's presented on by uh, Broadway train theaters but I'm not going to pay a dime to watch Pierce Brosnan uh, sing an Abba song again in my life but again I tell y'all all that to tell you that I, I don't ever want to say anything that's not not backed up with evidence. Um, Everybody's entitled to their own opinions, but not your own facts. That's something you hear around our program all the time. So to do that, I have to provide facts. I have to provide evidence, and that's another reason why that is the way it is. So that when somebody asks me what it is, it's been thought out. I can hand it to them in a one-page handout per position, or I've got 150 slide PowerPoint that can explain it as well. Every position, complete with video links, complete with uh, practice mm-hmm. images, drills to back it up, things to do it. It's well thought out. I can explain it to you on an elevator, but you could also take it to your room and spend the next six months watching it to understand it. That's kind of the mad method to the madness of that.
2: So Michaela Daniels, she's a racker, right? Yeah, she she's is. a racker. Um, yeah. She's a unique player in college basketball, men's or women's that she's going her fifth year now, um, had that extra year because of the pandemic, and she's been with the same program every single year. Um, yeah. she never left. Um, just what do you think her impact is on number one, you as a coach, how she's impacted you, but also just the program and maybe these newcomers that she's getting to teach her final year?
1: Yeah, just follow that kid if if you've got a young athlete in your world. Talk to her mom and dad when you see them at games. They've raised a kid uh, to be freshman ready to handle the adversities that college brings all of us. Uh, and to see her when when the opportunity was presented to come back, she took it immediately. And she has about a one-minute long clip that I think is floating around on the internet about why she came back for her fifth year. And it'll it'll move you as a Razorback, back, it'll move you as a parent, and it certainly moved me as a coach. But um, I sleep. I have a three-year-old and a two-year-old at home so I don't sleep that well but I sleep a lot better knowing that she's our racker. and I trained in Samara Spencer for the last two years and now Talia Scott an incoming freshman who's coming in with a lot of expectations to have her back I didn't anticipate having all three of them back which has created a little bit of playing time issue uh, throughout our five scrimmages but I promise you if you show up on Uh, Tuesday, I'm going to play all three of them together to start. I'm going to be – all three of those guards will be out there because of what they've proven. Um, But having her as a leader uh, in the locker room, having her as a leader, teacher for all these young kids that are going through the hard times, it's almost – I'm not trying to scare you guys off from going to college, okay? It's really great and it's really worth it, but it's really hard, okay? There's a lot of hard things in the next five or six years, but – I'm guessing if with the success you've had, you're prepared to handle it. Uh, but there's a lot of hard things that they have to deal with. And Mac has handled it with, uh, amazing grace and poise. And like I said, on the floor, I, she knows not, not only what to do, but why we do it. And as a lot of times does stuff now before I even ask her to do it. So she's certainly worth being on the up cover here, follower, um, this is a stat that we pulled out before we went to our media days at the SEC. She's won more SEC games than any player in the conference. Yeah, whoa, right? You would have lost a bar bet on that one. Every one of y'all would have lost a bar bet on it. Okay, you also would have lost a bar bet if I asked you what, how many teams in our in the SEC have been to the postseason the last five years in a row. Just get a number in your head. There's 14 teams in our league, and we talked about the prowess of the league. How many have been to the postseason in the last five years? There's three. I think most of y'all just lost a bar bet. <clears throat> it's us, South Carolina, and Tennessee. So we've had a lot of consistency, but I understand in 2023 consistency is not really what people look for. <laughs> they look for the big, the splash That The consistency's not always there, so we understand our challenge that we face in the SEC. Consistency's all fine and good, but we need to be at the very elite of that. And even though we have been in that elite, there's only two teams been in the top 50 of the net the last four years, us, South Carolina, that's it. LSU's not, South Carolina, I mean, Tennessee's not, LSU's not. So we face that every single day, we have raised that bar from just being pat on the back, hey, Tom, you were there for me. I you remember the first time you patted me on the back and said, boy, you almost got him. And I think we were playing bandy or somebody. Almost got him. because we were finishing last. And now it's we're expected to win all of our games. And that's okay. We're used to that. We signed up for it. But it's hard. And Michaela's handled it like a rock star. And she came back for a fifth year. Uh, there are a lot of kids that are exploring other options for other reasons. But, If y'all will go to the quote, I'm not a spoiler alert, but she says, I've been here for four years. I love Arkansas. Why would I go anywhere else? And she's seen all the other options. So um, that explains her in a nutshell. And she's passing that along to, to lots of other kids, too.
2: So, one thing I've noticed, I've gone to several of their practices here in the preseason and the summer, is it's just you have a lot of options. You said earlier you can go 10 deep. Mm-hmm. That depth is going to be really important. And then within just, I guess, the past few days, I mean, just kind of the elephant in the room of yeah. heard that. I can't believe and-
1: I won the bar bet on how long it would take <laughs> yeah. before I've been asked, and this is yeah. the, this one. You're the bar bet winner. Well, yeah.
2: just uh, would you shed a little bit of light on that? And sure. Then maybe how the team's going to adjust to that.
1: Uh, it just takes us from 11 deep to 10 deep. I mean, that's the, 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 the way to put it. Uh, certainly have invested a lot with Jersey the last two years, uh, and on Friday of last week she decided she wanted to not be a part of it. There is no transfer portal window right now. That's where a lot of the, uh, like, question mark, The fir- yeah, like, what what's going on? Because there is no transfer window till March. So I'm not speaking about Jersey at all specifically. I'm just speaking in generalities. Any player in the country right now that would not want to be a part of their team does not have a portal to go into. They can do it, but if they go into that portal right now, they are forfeiting the fact that they would be immediately eligible at the next school they go to. So if, as people have reported accurately, some not so accurately, but some very accurately, she went into the portal and then came back out, and that was so that she could preserve that extra half a year and we wanted, you know, to do, be able to let everybody know that she could do that by doing it that way. So there will be a window that will open in March. Um, for us, It, like I said, it, it takes us from 11 to 10. We've been trying to play 11. Now we'll be working with 5 on 5. So, But she um, that happened on Friday, and then it will we'll, uh, start to, you know, kind of become more probably – uh, information about it. I know when there's no information out, everybody thinks negative things. We're all humans. We all do that. I know that if my daughter is five minutes late coming home from her date, I immediately thinks she's been kidnapped and is in the back of a car on the way to a non-extradited country where she's going to be sex trafficked. And that's where my mind goes in five minutes. So Jersey is good. We're, it was very amicable. Uh, she's going to be a great player for somebody someplace. It just didn't work out here.
2: So maybe the biggest recruit you could have gotten, though, going into this, you're talking about your death, is Sasha Goforth returning. A lot of people here are familiar, I guess, yes. with her situation, um, but if you're not, she um, has a condition called gastroparesis that affects her um, both, her mental health, her stress and stuff can um, just exacerbate it and make it difficult on her. She had to take a step away from basketball to address this, to get to where she felt like she could play. Um, just what's it like having her back? What was that call like? I guess whenever she told you that yeah. she could play again.
1: Well, the first thing is you know she she stepped away, but she never really stepped away. She was part of our team. She came to practice. She came to most of our games. She was in a lot of film sessions. She actually watched more film last year than anybody on our team that was actively playing. She stayed engaged, um, worked at it, and then in late April last year, as the season was wrapping up, she came and said, Coach. I'm feeling better than I've felt in a long, long time. I'd like to ramp up. So we got her back in the weight room and got her health and conditioning back up. And then she stepped back out on the floor for us during our, our workouts. And it was very clear very quickly that she was back, like faster, stronger, tougher, more mentally uh, ready to participate every single day. And And her play was just elevated because of all of those things. So, you know, you get her back, um, and you interject that with the freshman group that we brought in. We were the only team in the SEC that did not bring a transfer in. Uh, that was by design. I met with our kids last year at the end of the year. We only lost one player, uh, one scholarship player off the team last year. So when, when we knew who we had coming back, I said, if y'all are committed to me and us and our program, I'm not going to go into the transfer portal. There's no reason to do that. We've got an unbelievable group of team here and kids. So I invested in them for that reason. And knowing Sasha coming back was obviously a a, a little bit of a a shot in the arm when it came to that. So she's doing great. Uh, It's still a day-to-day thing. Uh, I wouldn't come out and necessarily um, expect to see the, the same kid we saw play in high school and the same kid we saw as a freshman Uh, but she is certainly going to be an impact for us, and just having her back, she was such an inspiration to all of our other kids about how important mental health is. Um, I know there's a lot of people outside of sports that don't really think it's a real thing. I'm here to tell you you're wrong. It is an absolute real thing. It's really, really a part of all this thing that these kids have gone through and we deal with on a daily basis, so she went through a really, really uh, real situation and came out of it. It's going to be a great, great chapter to her story for sure. But um, expect to see her a lot uh, wearing her usual number 13 uh, when she comes back out.
2: And then the question will close on just what do you like the most do you think about this team that you have this year?
1: Uh, we've kind of been talking around it, just versatility. Um, if you come for the first game, uh, we'll start a lineup that is kind of traditional with size, and then the next thing you know you're going to look out there and we're going to have – what we, we call them talls and smalls in practice. I got a lot of guys that come to our practice here. Y'all know we call them talls and smalls or bigs and lils. So it'll be a traditional couple of lils, two bigs to start. And then you're going to look out there and you're going to go, wait a second. There's one little and four bigs, all three over six, three with a little that's five, six or seven ish. Then the next media timeout, you might look out there and there's going to be four, five sevens and one, six, five. So In our two closed-door scrimmages, which you can't talk about as they're happening, both opposing coaches said, y'all are impossible to match up with because of that. They think coming out of a timeout, they've got everybody matched up, and they're looking around going, "Uh uh-oh. We looked up the other day, and they had a 6'2 kid trying to guard to Leo Scott, who's 5'6", and is, as you will see, iverness-like. She drove it and laid it in the first three possessions of the game. Then they had to help, and she kicks it to Mariam Dada, who hits back-to-back threes from the top of the key at 6-5. Uh, we scored 37 points in the first quarter. Um, we had 8 of 10 threes um, because of the shots that we were getting. So versatility is kind of that catch-all. It's kind of a suitcase term. But I just love being you know, able to put lineups together, like, We spend so much time in the office just trying to tinker with things to make sure we get uh, put teams in a challenge to guard us. Now, we've got to figure out how to guard the other team uh, with those lineups, but uh, versatility, and and I think it's our fastest team. Um, Going back to that with Malika Monk and that group that was here first, we were really, really fast, but this may be our our fastest team and deepest, uh, most versatile team we've had yet.
2: Mike's think, or Mike thinks he actually has to run to practice in a little bit. So I am not an,
1: running anywhere. Well, I do not. Driving. I, uh, as y'all can running. tell, I am not much of a runner. <laughs> but absolutely, any opportunity that y'all can y'all, – my email's online. It's easy to find. Love to have groups. Love to bring anybody behind the scenes. I think the one thing about women's basketball is we can engage a little bit more than some of the other sports can. Uh, our kids are very, very active in uh, charities, in the Miracle League, in the food bank with with Kent. We try to be as involved in as many things as we can. If there's anything, any opportunity for our kids to be exposed, the only the one thing that I sell more in recruiting than anything is the people that you're going to meet during your years here. If you come to school here and you do what is, you take advantage of your opportunity you're going to leave with connections to some of the best, coolest people in the entire world. So anything we can do to get our kids exposed to to your worlds, to anything going on, any way we can be involved, uh, we're there. And we will engage before and after. We sign autographs after every game, not just one game a year. We do it every game. As soon as the buzzer goes off, five minutes on the clock, 15 minutes later they're signing autographs every single game. We do a chalk talk before every single game. Our practices are always open. There's not I haven't had one closed practice here in seven years. Guys, you guys have been there. Y'all been there. There's hundreds of coaches that have come through. Our doors are always open. There's never anything uh, that you're not invited to. Don't wait for an invite, okay? Just let us know when you want to come. We'll open the door up for you. We'll have somebody out there to meet you. Um, that is the one thing we can provide is an engagement uh, with our community, with the town, and with any group that we can. So thanks for trying to cut me loose. I'm probably going to miss stretch lines, but that's okay. They can stretch without me. Thanks for having me. I really appreciate it, and um, I'll probably be putting
0: this one on my wall too. So before Mike runs off, I, wanna, I want you guys to make sure you're paying attention. You're only gonna hear this information one time in this gathered group, okay, so that you can use this moving forward. Mike is actually wearing his winter shorts today, okay? (laughs) Now, you may be like my wife who looks at me when I go out and I have shorts on like this, and she goes, how can you go out with shorts on it's 20 degrees or whatever? I said, these are winter shorts. She goes, you're an idiot. There's no such thing as winter shorts. I said, yes, there is. The winter shorts ensemble comes with the hoodie. The summer shorts come with a t-shirt. Follow me for more fashion sense, okay? I can pass that along to you, okay? Yes, sir. Not that, not that hard to figure it out. Thank you, Mike. Our prep rally program of the week this week was the Haas Hall tennis teams, the boys' and girls' tennis teams. They won state championships, state team championships. In fact, they swept all three championships on both the girls and the boys side a rare feat that can only ever be duplicated can never be broken this is greg with the Haas hall tennis program greg what a what a tremendous season you know you guys had did something that no one else can ever no one else can ever beat that what you guys did winning girls doubles girls singles boys doubles boys singles all in the same season
3: yeah i mean we uh We had had a great team. We knew we had a really good team to start off the year. Um, And the kids just really competed well the entire tournament. If you think about the way the tennis tournament format is set up, we have a conference tournament, we have a state-level tournament. You have to qualify in the state-level tournament by finishing top three in your conference tournament. It's all single elimination draws. So we had a great team, but they have to perform at all times. And they really stepped up. Uh, I'm super proud of them. They've done a lot of hard work and dedication this season. If you think about us going into that state tournament, you know, we took five teams to the semifinals, which is a two-day tournament. four rounds. Just got them all to the wow. five teams the second day. And going into that second day, I thought, man, if we can get three teams to the finals or three lines, that would be fantastic. All five won in that semifinals. And the only loss we took that day was one hostile team beat the other hostile team in the finals. You. So that was, I mean, we'll, I mean, these kids will never have a run like that again. Maybe they will. I don't expect what as a coach but that was that was fantastic to see. yeah kind of where, where do you go from here yeah well i mean we have a lot of sophomores on the team so uh you'll you'll hear from the team in a while but there's uh five sophomores on the squad wow. yeah and uh you talk about job security i got a lot here with this team uh there's there's a lot of talent that's going to continue on so yeah we'll continue to compete and be out there again next year
0: man Haas hall tennis is uh it, 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 it dominated we, uh, well
3: we appreciate
0: the recognition too yeah. uh,
3: we know there's a lot of athletes you can recognize this time of year uh, particularly with the, the sports that go on in the fall mm-hmm. and some of the great achievements so we appreciate cogs Illustrated
0: recognizing us this well, time of year congratulations and uh, listen good luck to you guys moving forward and uh, i guess we'll be looking for maybe a, a repeat great well, <laughs> we hope to be back next year good deal thank yeah. you our prep rally player of the week was stella de vera of rogers heritage she was the state single 6A girls tennis champion, the overall state tennis champion, and the class 6A, 6A West state tennis champion. She went 16 and 0 this season. Here is Stella Stella. What a what a dominating season you had uh, this year. Tell me a little bit about how you prepared for your senior year.
4: Definitely just practiced all summer, playing a lot of played some tournaments, just spent most of the time during summer. just at practice two, three hours a day. You then, play you play
0: like juniors level or something uh, in yes. the summer? Uh, tra- do you travel around a lot? Yes. Okay. So tell in me the, some of the half places. Oh uh, oh really? Yes. Tell me about some of the some of the tournaments you played in.
4: Um it's kinda similar to the state, just a little bit bigger. So it was kind of the same mindset as every other tournament. Okay. So just take it try to keep it not as much of a big deal just to keep my mind off of all the pressure. It's just another tournament, and then it's another day.
0: 16-0 and 0, you know, this year. Yes. I mean, did you think that you could be, you know, go, go through the whole season undefeated?
4: I knew I could go through most of, like, conference undefeated. A new state would be just a little bit harder because I know, like, pretty much everyone in Arkansas who plays tennis, and yeah. I'm, like, friends with all of them. So I know, like, the people who won doubles. I know, like, all of them, so it's just kind of, like, we were all playing each other, but we all like cheer each other on. So it was just like another tournament because everyone that was playing in the end was people I see almost every weekend.
0: So you'd been to the, been to the finals, been to the finals, been to the semifinals. What, what helped you get over the hump to, 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 to win the, you know, win it all?
4: Definitely during state was my team. It was great having like, the home court advantage and then having like everyone cheer me on and definitely just like a lot of support from everyone around me.
0: What's uh, what's next for you?
4: Um college stuff, working on my art school portfolio.
0: Do you think you'll play tennis in college or are you are you done? Do you think you'll be done.
4: It depends on where I go. Okay. Cuz I want to go to an art school and play tennis.
0: Okay. Okay. Well, any uh, you looking at any places or you
4: Um I've been looking at Pratt Institute in New York, oh, and then okay. um, SCAD in
0: Savannah, Georgia. Okay. Yeah. Awesome. Well, congratulations Thank on you. A, a great season, and uh, you know, good luck in whatever it is you do next.
4: Thank you. You bet.
0: Now, next week, our luncheon will not be held on Wednesday as it normally is. It will be held on Thursday, and Hunter Yurichek, the athletic director from the University of Arkansas, will be our guest speaker. Again, our luncheon will be on Thursday next week and not on Wednesday. So we will catch you back here next week for the Hogs Illustrated Sports Club Luncheon. I'm Chip Sousa with the Hogs Sports Network. Thanks for listening. The proceeding has been a production of the Hogs Sports Network. Look for our daily podcasts on Apple, Spotify, or your favorite podcast platform. For more Razorbacks coverage, go to wholehogsports.com or follow the Hogs Sports Network reporters on social media.